Right. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the CFFL HQ podcast. Apologies for the gap. Did not expect a gap this big between last podcast and this one. But you know how that goes sometimes. Um, This will be the last of a three-part series leading you up to the draft and from where we're at right now. I believe three weeks till the draft. Three weeks until the CFFL draft. This is being recorded on a Thursday morning. It won't be a long one. Uh, I don't want to bore anyone with this too much. But, yeah, we're looking at three weeks today. Could have the first people arriving uh, on a Thursday. See how those schedules turn out. But this is just to help you get just a basic understanding of everything that's taking place. I will say, from a housekeeping standpoint, and I'll go into this a lot more in a future podcast, like this is as prepared as I've been since, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe pre-kids. I don't know, maybe some of those early years. I did pretty good with. So maybe, I don't know, let me put it this way. It's been a while, and it's certainly the most prepared I've been since I've lived in this house. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go maybe seven, eight years, minimum. Dashboard's up and running. All of the draft material's ready to go. Um, You literally could just sit and stare at a screen and just call out, the number of the player you want, and you can look at your roster and who's available without doing anything. Um, if that's what you prefer, that's what I always say. So, shouldn't be any discontinuations or breaks in continuity, I guess I should say, during the draft because everyone will have available access to all 11 picks prior. Um, and who's coming up on the clock, like I said, all on one page. So I was really happy with that Um, because now that we're at 16, you just want to do things to keep it as seamless as possible and minimize the amount of time that we're spending in, say, rounds 9, 10, 11, so that we're spending that time having fun, I guess is probably the best way to put it. So I'll go more into that, though. And um, I'll go more into that probably next week. So metrics that matter. We looked at two parts in this series already. And the first one looked at strength of scoring, which we went into there. The second one we looked at was uh, weekly scoring. And then today, and I've mentioned this before, uh, so that's the reason why I don't think it's going to take too, too long is going to be war. And war is just a number to help you see how much value a player added compared to other players at his position or if it's a bundle their position. Okay. That in the grand scheme of things, is really it. So I think 
for the first time, we're going to be tracking it in the draft database. And the whole goal of that is just for you to see, okay, this player has a number, has a point five point six war, okay? Anything above zero is good. And the further beyond zero you get, the player is really, really, really good, okay? And as we went through in some of the CFFL Memoria podcasts, we used war to kind of discuss how certain players were doing. But uh, if you look at like offensive players, if you take Jeremy last year, for instance, Jeremy won it all with a good, not great team. He was one of those teams that was actually there that could win it. But what do you need? Jeremy had one player on his team that was an all-time player. And if you have somebody at the end of nine weeks, and we only track war through the regular season because everybody's playing, right? If, I guess, I guess, no, we actually look at it during the playoffs too for that one. Strength, uh, strength of scoring, we don't. So, But we will look at value added during the playoffs too. So I misspoke there. Sorry about that. Um, Nathaniel Dell was his MVP last year. He had a war of 3.08. That's an all-time performance. Okay, that gets you kind of on the all CFFL teams. If you can get to a three or higher war, but you don't need an entire team of that. And if you look at it, when you look at Jeremy's offensive players, together they only were a five war. Okay, which is still really good. That's not disparaging at all. But it's just to give you an idea that if you you will have access to players war this year and really the only reason that is on there is to see how much value that player is adding as the year goes on now you're clearly not going to get like a three war after one or two weeks okay what you want to see the first thing that i would look at would be is my player greater than zero and if that player is greater than zero, you are going to see they're probably performing beyond the average. Okay. Really quick without boring you to tears. How do we calculate war in our league? It's basically how much, how many points divided by how many starts. Okay. And from there, that gives you their point per game average, right? You subtract how much their point per game was from the position. I already feel like I'm losing people on this. And it gives you a number. And then you multiply that, by again, by how many starts they had. And then from there, you divide it by what the average margin of victory is in a, in a week. So I don't... Basically, the way it's set up there is the more you start a player, the greater the chance they have of having a higher war and the greater the chance they have of having a lower war. So that's the reason why someone who may starts who may only start one or two, maybe three times in a season, won't have the super high war, but usually don't have the super low war because you're not penalized, but you're also not uh, rewarded for someone you don't start. So that's kind of the trade-off. The more you play them, the higher or lower their war is going to be. So if you have somebody 
who has a really low war, but they were like hurt and barely played. So yes, they're going to have a low war, but that's because they were barely playing. So they want to go too much into that. What I want you to focus in on when you look at metrics that matter beyond the strength of scoring of your team, what a good weekly score is, the individual war of your player. As the season goes on, if they are above zero, they are contributing more to your team than being a detriment. Okay? If you have a player who is over a one war, they are having a really good season. You can win it with a bunch of players who have a one war. Now, again, is it good to have somebody with a three or four war? Now, four is really difficult. I guess, is it good to have a bunch, uh, a few players who are at that two to maybe three war? Yes. But again, three war is all time. There's no one on the three all CFFL teams on the offensive side of the ball that have a war under three. So as you're seeing those numbers come in on your Intel sheets and you see them in the stats that are on the on the uh, dashboard and this year, just keep that in mind. If you see a player who has like a quarter war or like a half war, that's still a good player. What you want to do is try to minimize the players who are losing you points, okay? And it's difficult in our league because you only get three roster moves and some, and you can only make them up to week six, right? So I started off with Justin or Jeremy's team. Sorry. Jeremy had three players who really helped move the needle for him last year. Nathaniel Dell, Dwayne McBride, Marvin Harrison. Okay. Three, two, and two war. Okay. Bryce Young gets all the pub. And I think this is a good example. If you were to look just at points, you'd be like, oh, well, Bryce Young averaged 40.57 points per game. Right, but the position average was 37.71. So really, his overall contribution to a win was two-thirds of a win, okay? Whereas you look at Nathaniel Dell, he averaged 25.85. So if we just did a typical, you know, early 2000s who's uh, point leaders, okay? Bryce Young would be at the top, and everyone would be like, Bryce Young has to be the MVP. Well, not necessarily because Nathaniel Dell averaged 25.8 points when his position average was 16. And he had 10 starts. Bryce Young only had seven starts. So because of that, Nathaniel Dell had a greater contribution, so he had a greater war, 3.08. Dwayne McBride. 25, uh, 25.77 points per game at a position that gets 18.4. Nine starts, that's a 2.11 war. So where do you see the greatest disparities in war? Usually the quarterback and tight end position because there are especially the tight end position because you can get tight ends who score one or two points in a week. Tight ends are really fickle, man. But then if you have a tight end who's getting 30 or you know 30 35 points per game that's the reason why you see a lot of the feast and famine at the tight end position. Most of the running backs are who are playing if they're the lowest you're getting that week is like 9 10 10 10 11 11 11 12 and your player gets 20 that's good value but it's not getting the same value at the tight end position where you get 2 2 3 2 3 3 3 4 4 4 4 5 5 36 okay and that's the reason why sometimes you see those numbers higher i mean i think that shows you how great of a season Nathaniel Dell had that 
he had a three war at a position where it's easier to start players who can at least contribute, right? But you shouldn't be beating yourself over the head as far as having all your players. If you, all your players are a positive war, you're gonna win the net, you're gonna win the CFFL title. Okay. Jeremy started Gavin Bartholomew um Bartholomew six times. Minus 1.08 war. He started Aiden O'Connell twice. Point nine, uh, minus 0.9 war. Jack Coldiron started him six times. Minus 0.7 war. Trey Knox, tight end. The tight end position was really a difficult position for Jeremy last year. Um, four starts, minus 0.65 war. Tanner Koziel, four starts. Minus uh, 0.47 war. So again, don't go into this thinking, I need a plus war player at every starting position. That's not the case. You do not need that. You need a few players who can really take the top off at the top and then just try to minimize the damage as much as possible. Like Jeremy has a bunch of guys here. Minus 0.1, minus 0.34, minus 0.35. Minus 0.47, minus 0.6. So if you look at the his negative players ended up creating a minus 4.65 war, but his top three players created a 7.19 war. So that's a plus three. And if you're lucky enough to win the uh the conference, that should be good enough to have you compete for the championship. And again, I, I'm just using last year's example for you to understand. Jeremy only had uh, seven players who were a war, and he had C.J. Donaldson, which, you know, Jeremy and his love of trying to play tight ends at running back kind of skewed those numbers for a few weeks until uh, he was called out by Brian S., uh, I think after the third week. So... That's keep assessing your roster. Don't look at points per game. You can look at it compared to the average. If you're above it, that means you're probably in good standing. If you're below it, you're struggling. Okay. And you need to make some adjustments, but you don't need an entire team of plus four players. You need superstars, contributing players and people who are going to fill out your roster because remember it's, even if you have underperforming players, so does everybody else in the league, okay? But if you looked at just real quick last year, uh, you know, Pino had probably – Pino and Bobby were two other players who had really good teams. Pino had two players that got him a six-and-a-half plus war. Drake May at 3.38 war. Bijan Robinson, 3.05 war. Now, May, that wasn't good enough to – for an all-CFFL team, but that's a really good season for your quarterback. He averaged 49.52 points with nine starts when the position average is 37. B. John Robinson was a weekly start for him who averaged 27 a week when the position was 18.4, okay? You know, it's a really, really good players. I mean, he had five players with a one-plus four, including those two, okay? And you look at the bottom, and he minimized – the damage that some of his players uh, created. Mason Tharp from Texas Tech at tight end, a minus 0.69 more. 
Miles Price from Texas Tech. Gosh, Pino went all in on the Texas Tech movement here last year. Uh, a minus .82 war. Xavier Worthy, a wide receiver, lost him .9, interestingly, on nine starts. And then Tyler Van Dyke, and here's an interesting cautionary tale, he started him two games, 19.13 average, where the position average is 37.71, ended up losing him almost 1.2 games, minus 1.2 war. But if you take out Van Dyke there, a lot of his positions, he's minimizing it. And then as a counter to that, he has seen really strong players at the top. So that's the reason why I didn't want to go too long on this podcast because I don't want to get too nerdy because I can I can nerd out, but I don't want I don't expect everyone to nerd out. But I want you to understand at least what that number means. Okay. We have one player who if this is the first podcast you're listening to, we've had one player in CFFL history um, who's cracked the five war, and that was first year Colt Brennan. 5.09 war. We've had a handful of players all time who've touched four. Okay? Uh, just a very... Jason Morrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. That's it. Those are the only four wars that we've ever had in the CFFL. Um, now, maybe we had one that didn't make an all-CFFL team at quarterback. But after that, you're sprinkled through the threes. We have as high as like three, uh, three nine, three eight four, all the way down to like right at three are your all-time CFFL teams. So it's rare to get a three war at a non-quarterback position. Pino had one last year. That was good for a third-team all-time CFFL. So you're going to live where a lot of your players are going to be losing, have a negative war to maybe a one-war plus, and then a handful of players who may take it from one to two, and then very few players who take it from two to three. You got a player over three, you got something special. You got a player over four, that's all-time. Okay. Just keep that in mind when you're looking at teams. Positive, Your team, positive is good. Small negative, not bad. Big negative, you should be looking at different avenues to play somebody. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. That's the third metric that matters. So during the week, what's my SOS out of 16? What is my average weekly score compared to what it normally should be? And which players are adding value to my uh, team and losing value, and that's cat- and that's defined through war. Those are the three metrics that you should be looking at. And if you do that, you'll have the pulse of your team. Clearly, wins and losses matter. That's the most important thing. But as you've seen in this league, if you listen to some of these podcasts and you've experienced it, the best teams don't always win. If you have the fifth best score that week, and if you play any fantasy football, you know that. You have the fifth best score, but in back-to-back weeks, you played the third and fourth best te- uh, scoring teams that week. Guess what? You were zero and two, and then that makes it more difficult for you to be able to climb out of a hole to get into one of those top two spots to play in the conference championship week ten. And I think we're good. We'll call that there. My goal is to try to get one of these up almost every day uh, leading up to the draft. Looking forward to seeing everyone, and it should be fun. Hopefully a nice, seamless draft this year. We had one last year. Kind of going, hoping to go for that again this year. 
Have an awesome day. I'll be talking to you all. Seeing you soon. All the best. Take care.